Midrash says, page 388, one of the names of the festival of Shavuos is Hakabikurim, the festival of the first Mincha offering on Shavuos, two leaven loaves baked from the new wheat harvest were brought. Prior to this offering, no Minka could be offered from the new crop of grain that was harvested since Pesach. The Shavuos Minka rendered the new grain harvest acceptable for all Minka offerings. Thinking about the resurrection of Mashiach Yeshua on that one. The two loaves were prepared for Erev Shavuot in the Azada, the courtyard, where the wheat was threshed, ground, and sifted 12 times to obtain the purest flour. Each loaf was made from one omer about five pounds of flour so an omer is about five pounds it's pretty cool shaped into a square whose length and width are specified by halacha allowed to rise and bake hmm. like two tablets on the morning of Shavuos the coin performed tanufa the waving ceremony with the two loaves which is interesting because we do that with the omer we wave the barley and now we're waving the two loaves so this is like the completion of purification and then that's when you do the waving this is when you present the new man the animals offerings accompanied this flower offering were then slaughtered and their blood sprinkled onto the Mizbeach. So, again, we talked about the Yain, which is the wine, the Lechem, which is the bread, and the Basar, which is the meat. And so these three elements make up a meal, and this has the Gematria of 42 with the initial letters. Yain is the Yod, Lamed is the Lechem, and uh, Basar is the Bet, which is the flesh, the meat. So Yod Lamed Bet is 42, 4 plus 2 is 6, so really we're talking about a man who is the meal offering, and it's two loaves, and Vav has, the way you spell Vav is Vav Vav or Vav Aleph Vav, which is really 12 or it's 13, because 6 plus 6 is Vav plus Vav or Vav Aleph Vav, 6 plus 1 plus 6, 13, Echad. Then you have, or you can just take that Echad, which is the Gamatria of 13, 1 plus 3 is 4, which is the Dalit. And the Dalit is the door, which is Yeshua. Dalit is Dal Tav, so the pomper who is the Tav and that is the poor man riding on a donkey to bring his blood to seal on the doorposts so then we got the animal offerings that accompanied this flower offering were slaughtered and their blood sprinkled on them as well 
which again, so when you look at the top, it's like blood is sprinkled on the doorposts. Then the two loaves were placed on the animal offerings and the Kohen performed the Tanufa ceremony a second time. So the first time is without the flesh and then the second time is with the flesh. So afterwards, one of the loaves were given to the Kohen Gadol and the second to the Kohenim on duty. They ate them in the Azara on the day of Shavuot and the following night. Hmm. Why did the Torah require a wheat offering on Shavuot? On this festival, judgment is passed in Hashemayim on the fruit harvest of the entire year. We offer wheat offering to Hashem so that Hashem should bless the fruit trees. Rosh Hashanah 16a, cited by Rashi, explains that wheat is considered a type of fruit. Since before Adam sinned, it grew on a tree. After Mashiach's arrival, we'll do so again. This is why one of the opinions is that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was wheat. Used to grow on trees. Wheat used to grow on trees. Seriously. If Rosh Hashanah coincided with Shabbat, or the Musaf of Shabbat was offered too. And the three Musafim were brought in the following order the Musaf of Shabbat, and the Musaf of Rosh Hodesh, and then the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. Why are the details of Rosh Hashanah not enumerated in the written Torah? The more profound and meaningful, the more profound and meaningful the subject, the less of it is revealed in writing. Do you want to read that after Mika or before? Cut. Yeah. Get everybody kind of structured and then transition. <clears throat> Are the details of Rosh Hashanah not enumerated in the written Torah? The more profound and meaningful subject, the less of it is revealed in writing. Profound matters are confined to the oral Torah, which is accessible only to the serious student. The contents of the festival of Rosh Hashanah belongs in the category of profound and mystical subjects. Rabbeinu Bakia. Good night. So, Rosh Hashanah Musaf, the Torah does not say you shall offer it up, but you shall make it. Hashem declares to the Yehudim, if through Teshuva you achieve pardon for your sins on Rosh Hashanah, I shall consider it as though you remade yourselves. You will then resemble pure newborn creatures. All of this is coming from Parashat Pincus. Corbin over offered on Pesach consists of barley. Shavuot offerings comprise of wheat. 
Barley is ordinarily used for animal followers. Wheat is the staple food of man. It's wheat in the language of our sages represents knowledge and wisdom. When the Yehudim left Mitzrayim, they resembled the Egyptians with whom they had lived because they had adopted their idolatrous customs. The Egyptians are likened to donkeys. So when Yeshua comes riding in on the donkey, he's riding on top of the exile which we were confined to. And he had to descend to bring us up to where he is. In the seven weeks after the exodus, B'nai Yisrael refined their characters and strove to free themselves of all traces of idolatry. When Shavuos arrived, the entire people had reached the required spiritual level to receive the knowledgeable and the knowledge and insight of Torah. Their spiritual process is symbolized by the Shavuot's offering of two loaves of wheat. So the Midrash says that the more profound a subject, the less of it's revealed in writing. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the revealing of it is uh, found in the Oral Torah, and it's only for the serious student. So profound matters are confined to the oral Torah, which is accessible only to the serious Torah student. <laughs> I don't. I need to take a picture of that. Well, and that, that's what I was kind of alluding to last night when I was talking about Referring to the Messiah as just a man—that—that's a—that's an easy cop out. That's—that's that's not for the serious student. That's just for somebody who wants just a quick answer, try to make things make sense. But the serious student dives in that and says, uh, "That's not going to work." Wow. Not work. Wow. <clears throat> Get you some. So in the midrash says that um, around the, the section talking about giving the Torah. This is, it goes into some of the different laws. This is the one about mixing the meat and milk. Um, it says, and partially, you try. Hmm. Isn't it possible? That in the course of the lengthy exile, the Bnei Israel must forget the oral explanation of the Torah. And Hashem answered, I have entered into a covenant with them which guarantees that the oral Torah shall never not be forgotten by their descendants. Wow. The reason that Hashem did not permit Moshe to incorporate the oral explanation into the written text was that he foresaw that some of the nations would in the future times claimed that they were Hashem's chosen nation, the true possessors of the Torah. They would, however, never be able to pretend they knew the entire Torah, for the oral law would elude them. Since it had been handed down by word of mouth from the time of Moshe from one generation to the next, it was not committed to writing. It remained in the sole possession of the law of Israel. Uh, so, Can't you so? <laughs> So the true children of Hashem are the ones with the oral Torah. There's a there's a source for that too that says like 
that the Holy One Blessed be He identified Israel because they'll have they'll come with the Moral Torah. Yeah. Oh, so that's why Shona Pink is brought down that uh, it was only for the sake of the Oral Torah that Hashem made a covenant with Israel. Because it was talking about how Yosef was like, uh, I'll remember you, or Hashem will remember you, and like all these words, and there was like this connection to the Mishnah. So, alright, so here's an interesting thought. So Messianic Judaism prides itself, it's like, it's, it's number one stick is, they're against a similar, not excuse me, they're against uh, replacement theology. Oh, okay. Mm. They're against replacement theology. Messianic Judaism is like one of their number one theologies to be opposed to replacement theology. Okay. But by rejecting the Oral Torah, which they do, they're explicitly, they're actually, they they actually define the definition of replacement theology. Wow. Because they usurp the Torah from its rightful owner and they reinterpret it, therefore replacing its rightful owner. Wow. Wow. So they're not, but they are. <laughs> yeah. So just another reason why that whole theology is just kind of screwed up. Like the whole thing is just... Do you happen to have a page on that Midrash Rabbah picture? Yes. You, I mean, the Midrash says? Yeah. There he is. Oh, 226. Your wife is looking for you. He is? Yeah. <laughs> Get that question mark look off your face. Welcome back. Hey, I texted him to see whether it was safe to come because Louisville is snowed under. The river. Snowed, over the snowed yeah, under? I would pray over that too. Snowed under. Snow in the middle of the summer, huh? Uh, I need to go find my wife. But she was praying for somebody. She didn't see me ascend. Because uh, you were hidden by the clouds. Uh, <laughs> Yes. They don't have to see their men descend. Oh. We're just trying to catch up with them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, we uh we got winded out down there. Baruch. Yeah, so we just uh, went over how if you don't have the oral tour, you're not a true child of Hashem. Cray cray. So the reason that Hashem did not permit Moshe to incorporate the oral explanation into the written Torah was that he foresaw that some of the nations would in the future claim future times claim that they were Hashem's chosen nation and true possessors of the Torah. I mean, that just that statement, man. <laughs> Midrash says Parsha Yitro or Mishpatim. All right. Rabbi said we'd probably be reading the book of Ruth and doing Minka, so if y'all let, let me know when you start that. What time was he planning? I don't know. <laughs> he said he wanted to do Minka at 3, so I don't know what that means for reading Ruth.
Okay, back to Pinkus. Oh, let's see what Ankylos has to say on some Parsha Yitro Mishpatim. Safeguard my covenant. Shemote 19.5. Im Kabbalah te Kabloon. If you will heed well my word and safeguard my covenant, then you shall be before me the most beloved among all the peoples, for mine is the entire world. Hashem, the Hebrew or the Hebrew term segula means precious treasure. Rashi. Ankylos. <laughs> Shemot 19.6. The uh, Ankylos edition. Last time was Or HaKaim. <laughs> it says segula. Uh, Ankylos explains that to be Hashem's precious treasure means to be his most beloved nation. Marpe Lashon, based on the Makilta. Ramban adds that a Segula is a treasure so valuable that a king does not entrust it to anyone else, but guards it himself. The idea then is that Hashem himself watches over his people and does not assign them a heavenly minister. So if we're talking Memtet is the Sar Yisrael. That means he's above the heavenly ministers, which we already knew that, but yeah. Yep. Get you some, yeah. We're the pearl. Yeah. Rashi explains Malkut or Mamleket uh, Koanim. Literally, a kingdom of priests is a collection of kings. So, Mamleket, which is a kingdom, is a collection of kings. Which is why Yeshua is called the king of kings. <laughs> so, we're a collection of kings. Yeshua is called the king of kings. And then Kohanim, priests, it says, Thus Hashem is saying that the Jewish people will be considered as royalty who serve him like priests, Marpe Lashon and Rabbeinu Bakya. Sephorno explains that they will be kings and that they will lead the other nations and teach them the service of Hashem. In a similar approach, Targum Yonatan renders the phrase Mamleket Koanim as kings who wear crowns and priests who perform service. So literally being a king and a priest all at the same time. So I think about that too as the letters. Because the letters attach us to Hashem and then they're all crowned, which is the converts. <laughs> uh, how does this go? Ooh. Because then you could really know the true number. You know there's like 
they know how many letters there are in there. Because it's not it's not always the same tagin for each letter. I mean, like it is, but it isn't. Right. Because there are some places in the Torah like. Well, there. One gets five, or like for whatever special reason that letter needs five. And they'll be individual based on the letter, right? They're tailored to the letters. Yeah, like so, like uh, the the and the uh, the how do you say the acronym? Yeah. The word for what which letters, which letters have which the letters have tagim are the words that spell shopping as gets. Launder their clothing. So this is 1910. Uh, Uncle says, Ki, which is washing. And the Torah may refer to either laundering or tevila, which is the action you perform when you get in a mikvah. So when it refers to tevila, Ankalos renders it as vizava. Rashi and Vayikra 1358. Since he translates Vekivsu in our verse as Vichavrun, which is literally they shall whiten from the root Hur. Like Aaron and Hur. <laughs> so, Uncleos clearly understands that the people were simply told to launder their clothing and honor of the giving of the Torah, not that they should immerse themselves in their clothing in a mikvah. See Yevamot 46b. This is consistent with the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer in the Gemara of Yevamot 46a, that entering into the covenant of Judaism does not include a requirement for immersion in a mikvah. What? Neither for the person nor his clothes. Wow. Yeah, I need to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm going to reread that again because that's just insanity. But that's crazy though because I guess that means that. Uh, I actually don't even know what this means because converted. Yeah. Because Abraham wasn't even circumcised. And he wasn't mikvah. Oh wow. When did Abraham become a Jew? Wow. And Hashem was like, yeah, you need to go. Come with me. Yeah, come on. Come with me. You don't like golden calves? Neither do I. Come on. Come to you and come to me. Really? Come to you and come to me? That's the double go. Like, wow. Because doesn't it say in uh, 24.1, go up to Hashem? Hashem said to Hashem, go up to Hashem. Or Hashem said to Moshe, go up to Hashem. Let's see what that word uses right there. I'm going to come back. Yeah. 
I was trying to look for a number. I can't find one, but I found something to do with Wikipedia. The decorative crowns, which are sometimes placed in the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, taga is regularly composed of three strokes, each of so which is not lech. It is called ziyun, which is armor or dagger. In the New Testament, the taga is called tittle. It says, according to tradition, there existed a manual known as Sefer HaTagim yep. of the Tagen as they appeared on the 12 stones that Joshua set up in Jordan and later erected in Gilgal. Yeah, right. I mean, on these stones, describe the book of Moses, so the Tagen, and the required letters. Let's see. Boy, this was a whole a lot of things. Wow. That's for Tagin, Jots and Tittles. Yeah. And those stones were actually the stones the nations were supposed to come take photocopies of the tour from. And they were responsible if they didn't come do that. <laughs> so not only is Yeshua saying the Torah is not done away with, but he's saying all the nations have to come learn Torah. So, but what, no, what, what I was going to say, because going back to what you said earlier about like only the children of Israel have their own Torah, because if you read the Bible and think you get it, you really don't ever get it, because you need the whole Torah to really understand it. Yep. That's why, and that's why, and, that, and, and that's the biggest problem today is that people read the Bible and they don't really understand it. Yes. Or, or the, the opposite, like they're like, there's something more here and I don't know what it is, but I want to find out what it is. And then you have those people that want to seek out Judaism. Get you some. I'm just interested because you have the 12 stones on it are written the entire Torah with Tagim on them, which the nations were supposed to come to yep. get the Torah from. Yep. And they didn't do that. So Mashiach, just the cornerstone, had to be put in the Jordan. And so for him, you get the entire Torah. On one stone. On one stone. Just like they all got together yeah. under Yaakov. So. <laughs> <laughs> so again, just to make sure, with this whole verse about laundering their clothes, it literally says, Bekipsu simlotam, which is rendered, they shall launder their clothing. And then 
the term kivus, uh, ki, which is the word from kivsu, which is they shall wash, in the Torah may refer either to laundering or mikvah. So it can have both meanings. But it says that Ankalos clearly understands that the people were simply told to launder their clothing in honor of the giving of the Torah. Change my clothes. Change my clothes. Yep. Just so the same bracha we say to enter into the Sabbath, you know, and to take pleasure in the additional soul that you've granted to us. Yeah. So like preparing to enter into Shabbat. So when you look at laundering your clothes and being prepared, so it's like you're uh, removing all of the filth, you know, and clothing is your garments, your thoughts, your speech, your deeds. Isn't that what Mashiach did when he resurrected? He made his bed. Yeah. He changed his clothes. Yeah. And then, I mean, he, he... He's already stepped into eternal <clears throat> Shabbat. I mean, he's already existed That's true. in that that time frame. So when it's, Shabbat takes a Shabbat, is that what you're saying? Yes. So <laughs> existing in that other dimension, he's already existing in that Allah Shabbat, and he's just waiting to pull the reference to the outer end. So. The picture of Shabbat, Rabbi was talking about how we're on the top, we're not wrong. Yeah, so that Bracha says, Please, O king who reigns over kings, instruct your angels, the ministering angels, servants of the exalted one, that they consider me with mercy and bless me when they enter my home on our holy day. For I have kindled my lights, spread my bed, changed my clothes in honor of the Shabbat day. And in here, when it says that, it says... Uh, so, and I've changed my clothes. So, he uses Hechelafti. And on, in honor of the Shabbat. So, I've, uh, I've entered your house to cast my supplications that you may banish my size. I bore witness that in six days you created the entire universe. I repeated it. And will again repeat it over my cup amid my gladness as you commanded me to recall it and to take pleasure in the additional soul which you have placed within me. On it shall I rest as you have commanded me to serve you. And so shall I relate your greatness with joyous songs. I have set Adonai before me that you should further show me mercy in my exile. To redeem me and to inspire my heart to your love, then I shall observe your laws and your decrees without suffering, and I shall pray correctly, using a sedur, because seder, order, correctly, then as it is fitting and right. So when you really look at what Ankylos is getting at, 
are we even making the declaration that we want to serve Hashem, make Teshuvah, like preparing yourself mentally to receive the glory of Hashem? So it's not it's not even like about the mikvah per se as it is for being ready to go into the mikvah, because we know at some point in your conversion you will be undergoing a mikvah and you will be undergoing circumcision. It's just a matter of time. So this is cool that this is precedented. So it says that they should not immerse themselves and their clothing in the mikvah. This is consistent with the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer in the Gemara, Yevamot 46a, that entering into the covenant of Judaism does not include the requirement of immersion in a mikvah, neither for the person nor for his clothes. Wow. I have, man, I got I want to look at that. Yevamos 46a. That's like we're about to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Yoma. Yoma and Yavamos are two completely different tractates. Sefer Nashim. 46A. Hmm. Rav Hista raised an objection from a Bereta. There was an incident involving Belor Rea, the female convert, in which her slaves preempted her and immersed before her own immersion for her own conversion. And the details of the incident came before the sages, and they said the slaves acquired themselves and became free men. So now the mikvah brings about this deliverance from slavery. Rav Hizda explains how the Bereta poses a challenge. The Bereta implies that only because the slaves immersed before her while she was still a Gentile, that yes, they became free men. However, had they immersed after her, i.e. after she had already converted, then no, they would not have become free men. So... She had these slaves and she was their owner. But since the slaves mikvah before her, their status changed, causing them to be free so that even after she emerged, she could no longer be a master over them because they gained their freedom while she was still a Gentile. Who are we talking about? This is a Yevamot 46A. They're talking about an incident that happened where there was a, a lady who was a female convert but she had slaves. Okay. And so her slaves went to the mikvah before she did. And so since she mikvahed after them, she could no longer call them servants. They were equal to her. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> no, I so that's ridiculous. And then it said, that, yeah, wow. So then it says the Bereta implies that only because the slaves immersed before her that she was still a Gentile that yes, they became free men. However, had they immersed after her, after she had already converted, then no, they would not have become free men. 
The reason for this is presumably that upon her conversion, she attains the rights to her slaves' bodies, and therefore their immersion for the sake of becoming free men would be ineffective. However, this contradicts the Gemara's explanation above that when a Jew gains ownership of a slave from a Gentile, he has a right to only the slave's labor. Ready? Ruth time. Thank you for your Torah, Hashim.